real know-it-all? Do you annoy your family by shouting the answers while watching Jeopardy? Do you drive people crazy when you start a sentence with, well, actually? Well, guess what? You can go fact yourself. Hi, everyone. Welcome to Go Fact Yourself, the show where we take the smartest people we know and make them look dumb and then smart again. I'm Helen Hong, and now from the Angel City Brewery in downtown Los Angeles, here's our moderator, J. Keith Van Stratton. Thank you, Helen Hong. Thanks, everybody. My goodness, what a wonderful crowd. Helen, how are you doing? I'm doing very well, J. Keith. Thanks for asking. Well, you're welcome. What have you been up to since our, our last show? I just got back from chilly, chilly Canada. Oh, Which, I, thought, uh, I thought at first you meant Chile, because I believe there's a country with that name. No, I was, uh, I was referring to Chile as in, as in Frosty. Oh, okay. Frosty, Chile, Canada. I was in Montreal, which is lovely. It's a beautiful city. What I appreciate about Montreal is it's so much like America, and yet nothing like America. People were trying to speak French to me and saying oh. things, saying the temperature in Celsius. I was like, I don't get it. I'm American. That's strange. Uh, I was in Africa. Oh, my goodness. Yeah, nothing interesting about that. <laughs> That's more exotic than Montreal. Like. It was fun. It was fun. Not as cold, but yeah. uh, I, did see, I did see monkeys. I saw uh, penguins. <gasps> I, I swam with seals in the ocean. Anyway, it's good to be back here with all of you people in Los Angeles. <laughs> Today on Go Fact Yourself, two guests will compete to answer questions about facts they know, facts they might not know, and frankly, facts they should know. Plus, we'll meet two experts on very different topics, and finally, we'll declare one of our guests the winner of today's show. But let's get things started and meet the first of today's guests. Helen, who do we have? She is in her 13th season playing Penelope Garcia on Criminal Minds on CBS. It's Kirsten Vangsnet! Kirsten! Please have a seat right there. Does it make me a speciesist that I didn't know that there would be penguins in Africa? I too, I too was a little taken aback by that. Now, usually I do bring my own penguins, but I was very happy to find them <laughs> there as well. No, there was an entire beach out in Cape Town called uh, Boulder's Beach where the penguins uh, live and frolic, apparently, uh, naturally, according to nature. I had no idea about that. I'm super excited. Well, already people are learning <laughs> something from I'm just excited that there's different climates that they do well in. Yeah. That's, I was worried about that. Yeah, I, I only thought they did well uh, wearing little hats and waddling on yep. an iceberg. But yeah. no, apparently they're Or drinking Coke. Yes. <laughs> Welcome, Kirsten. Thank Welcome, you. Kirsten. Sorry, I said a brand. Now, as, we, uh, as Helen mentioned, you were in your 13th season on Criminal Minds. Wow. That is amazing. It's true. That now, is, I know. That's a feat. Is it true that you really just started with two lines on the show? That is 1,001% true. I, wow. I was a two-line co-star. And co-star in, in TV land is actually the smallest part you can have right below basically an extra, which mm-hmm. we call a background artist. So it was a two-line co-star. I was supposed to be in that one episode, <gasps> and then it just got... You just wowed them. I, I could, I'm a theater girl, so I can do a lot of information in one take, and I think I saved the money. I don't know if it was talent. <laughs> wow. I, but I'm very grateful for it. It's the best job I've ever had. And I worked at Hoff's Hut, you guys. <laughs> so... I'm dying to see those two lines. I mean, you must have really delivered. Do, do you remember delivered. the two lines? Uh, no. I, I was so scared at yeah. the time. I was, like, shaking, and I, I still can't type. And I was typing so hard on the plastic <laughs> no, wait that a now play, I have a gel a computer pad. Now. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, I can't type. Oh, don't look down. Don't ever look down. <laughs> when you watch the show, do not look down. This hand, because I'm left-handed, is doing a lot of fancy stuff. There's a lot of touching of the F12. Ooh. This hand is just for symmetry. <laughs> And it does nothing. You have a dud right hand. <laughs> I, would love to, I would love them just, just to do a print screen of what you actually type during one of the shows and just see what it is. It's a lot of, it's a lot of the Fs. <laughs> a, lot, a lot of the function keys. function keys. Excellent. Well, speaking of uh, functions, and this will be a segue, uh, you function as an entrepreneur as well. Tell us about this business that you have. I am the co-owner of the Blinking Owl Distillery in Santa Ana, California. What? If you're saying, oh, Kirsten, that's far away, I would say to you, from our Union Station right here, it is a 37-minute ride. It's four, count them, four stops. Uh, it's, uh, it's, and, and we are the first. Applause for all, four yeah, stops. Wow. Applause Public for taking the local. Yes, yes. Um, and uh, we are uh, an organic. Uh, we're, we're, we're the first distillery in, in all of Orange County that's going to be uh, actually by October. We're going to have bourbon and rye. But we make <gasps> vodka, orange vodka from... Uh, Va- uh, oranges from the Orange County Heritage what? Museum. Aquavit gin, aged gin. It is a magical wonderland. It looks like adult Charlie in the Chocolate Factory. Yeah. I'm there. 
And you can find us on Instagram, the Blinking Owl Distillery. If you don't believe me and think I'm lying, look at it. It's a majestic, wonderful place. And if you're not Augustus Goop, you'll do just fine. That you That's can. excellent. Well, we certainly appreciate uh, that, and we certainly appreciate you being here. Kirsten Vankness, Yay! everybody. <laughs> Helen, whom will Kirsten be playing against? He is an actor who you've seen on TV and on Broadway and whose improvised cabaret show Off the Top plays worldwide. It's Jason Kravitz! Jason Yay! Kravitz! Yeah! <laughs> I'm going down! Yeah, well, she's going down! The world going down! Hey, yeah. Jason. Welcome, Hi, Jason. Helen. Jason, nice Hi. to see you. Nice to see you guys. Do you have any secret uh, career where you can help get us drunk and help uh, the environment I'm as well? I'm thinking about it. I'm thinking about starting just uh, my own personal bourbon uh, and bathtub gin in my actual bathtub in New York City. Wow. Yeah. Wow. I'm down. Bourbon bath and beyond. I'll bourbon, go there. Bourbon bath and beyond. <laughs> uh, now, uh, I mentioned, or rather, Helen mentioned, of course, that you're an actor who, who people have seen a lot. And I'm sure as soon, as soon as people see you, even if they don't know the name, they're like, oh, that guy. Yeah. That was my middle name is Jason, that guy, Kravitz. <laughs> yeah. Pride you are, you're like very that. recognizable. I have that kind of face. Yeah, yeah, I tend to show up in your living room when you least expect it. Wow. That's why I <laughs> double locked that How'd door. How'd you get in here? Yeah. Now, uh, Helen mentioned that you've been on Broadway. I've done the Broadway, yes, a few times. I, was, uh, I originated a role in a musical called The Drowsy Chaperone, which played... Yeah. Yes, I yeah. love that show. Yeah. Ran for a few years. Uh, I've done a couple other shows as well. I did a Woody Allen... Uh, one act play on Broadway, which was uh, was part of an evening called Relatively Speaking, and that was a lot of fun. So I've I've had my moments on the boards, yes, yes. <laughs> and now you are trotting the boards across the globe in an improvised cabaret show. Yeah, it's, uh, it was an odd uh, thing. I think I, I just wanted to do something really scary, and I thought what could be the scariest thing is get on stage by yourself and make up a bunch of songs based on audience suggestions by yourself. That, That's like next level terrifying. It was pretty scary. So yeah. I have a band, and uh, I call it a man, a band, complete unplanned. It's me on stage with a band and pretending to be a cabaret singer telling the life story of a person whose life has never existed. So. And you get suggestions from the audience. Yep. And uh, I actually went to the show when you were in Los Angeles a couple years ago and you actually, by coincidence, picked uh, the suggestion that I'd put in. What was it? Do you remember? Uh, something brilliant. It was I brilliant. Mean, who can, I remember. Who it was one say? of my favorite things. Anyway, uh, it's terrifying. But what was great also is that you'd really do it in very specific genres. Like you actually did one of the suggestions I'd given in the style of a Jason Robert Brown song. Yeah, and I it's like, I've seen someone. a lot of musical improv. I've never seen anyone be that specific about, you know, a specific <laughs> style of, you know, off-Broadway kind sure, of musical Sure, I theater. tried to do uh, things that I find fun and interesting to parody. In a way, it's a big parody of a cabaret uh, show. So I do a Jason Robert Brown, a Sondheim, uh, uh, kind of a Mel Torme uh, medley with bongos, things like that. <laughs> Excellent. Fun. And uh, you ran the show for a long run at uh, the Edinburgh Fringe Fest. I did it in the Edinburgh Fringe Festival this year. I, I, I do it monthly in New York. As a matter of fact, if you're listening now... Uh, the next show in New York is on St. Patrick's Day, March 17th at Ooh. the Duplex. And if you're listening now, then you will have gone to see the show uh, on Sunday, the 25th of February at Vitello's in uh, California. Oh. Uh, the time-traveling plugs amazing. of Mr. Jason Kravitz. Amazing. <laughs> Yeah. All right. Now, we have asked each of you to provide us with a few topics outside of your field of work in which you feel you have some expertise. Kirsten, you told us you know a lot about Duran Duran, female sexual anatomy, and vegetarian food. Mm -hmm. Yes. <laughs> They're synonymous. Please hold your applause till the end. Uh, Jason, you told us that you know a lot about intercontinental geography, crossword puzzles, and young Frankenstein. Yes. Yes. And female sexual anatomy. Okay, well, we'll get to that. I learned everything I know from him. Okay, wow. In a class. That'll be a very interesting quiz. Very interesting quiz. I teach a class. Come on. Later on, we'll ask uh, each of you some in-depth trivia questions about one of those topics. But first, we're going to get your thoughts on something you might know nothing about. It's time to split some hairs with our What's the Difference round. We'll have one question for each of you, each worth up to two points. Now, if either of you gives an incorrect answer, the other person has a chance to take away some of those points. Your subjects today, insinuates and primates. Up first, Kirsten and primates. Okay. Okay. <laughs> I didn't mean to insinuate anything different. Yes, there are penguins in Africa. Okay. Two points. Yes. Uh, Kirsten, there are many similarities between simians, but your question to ponder is, what is the difference between apes and monkeys? 
Now, I will point out, of course, there are many differences between apes and monkeys without going through their whole 23andMe chart. Uh, we are looking for two of the major differences between apes and monkeys. I'm going to say that apes are considerably larger than monkeys and that monkeys don't know sign language. <laughs> All right. Thanks, guys. Have you, have you attempted sign language with a monkey and been so, sorely disappointed? So yeah. many times. I will also point out, monkeys also do not know French. And they, and they don't like scandal. No. So. Oh, <laughs> or Jane lame. Goodall. They hate Jane Goodall, too. Yeah. That's All right. We have, uh, we have Kirsten's answer. We don't know yet if she's correct. Jason, if you don't think she's got it entirely right, you can oh. steal the points by giving us the correct answer. Do you think she got it exactly right? I don't think she got it exactly right. I must, I'm going to guess here. Okay. Yeah. In that case, would you like to supply two of the uh, differences? I'm going to give <laughs> no, the differences here. Sign language was a good one, though. I think uh, I'm going to go with prehensile tail. And I'm going to go with opposable thumb. All right. And now who has which? I think both? both of them go to the, uh, I'm sorry, the opposable thumb is to the apes and the prehensile tails to the monkeys. Mm. And the other ones don't have it. All right. That's uh, my guess. And sign language. Okay. Was... Yes. Again, only two and not one that's oh, already sorry. been said is what we're right. looking for. Wait, just to clarify. So you're saying prehensile tail... Monkeys have a prehensile tail. Monkeys have prehensile tail. Apes do not have tails. And uh, apes have opposable thumbs. Monkeys do not. Got it. All right. Well, enough monkey business. Let's uh, end this segment and go to Helen Hong at the judges' table for the facts. Okay. Here are the facts. Apes are larger than monkeys. (gasps) Yes. That's one point already for Kirsten. And apes have larger brain capacities... And so, can do sign language. What? Two points for Kirsten. Wow. Now, I will I point out... I it is, you don't always have to be smart. Just observe <laughs> that's it. That's right, that's right. <laughs> I gotta say, when you first came out with that, I was like, oh, no, no. But then I looked down and I was like, oh, my God, she's right. She's correct. Uh, now, but wait, tails and thumbs. Yeah, tail, well, actually, Jason happens to be correct also. But yeah. since you were not... Yes, but since you were not incorrect, we cannot award points to both of you. Right. So... Jason, I hope you will enjoy it for the love of learning. I, I'm proud of myself. Very good. Uh, so what does that mean as far as our points go, Helen? So far, Kirsten has two points. That's right. Also a fun fact, uh, there are five great apes, the gorilla, the chimpanzee, the orangutan, the bonobo, and human. Ooh. There is only one lesser ape, the gibbon. Yeah, screw that guy. I never liked I think that was a gibbon that just knocked that thing over. That just proves it. He's a lesser ape. Uh, All right, we've got two points for Kirsten. Up next is Jason. Jason, your subject today insinuates. Insinuates. Your question to ponder, what is the difference between imply and infer? Well, I'm not sure what you're getting uh, getting across there, David. I'm not sure what you mean by that. I'm not sure. Imply and infer. Imply and infer. Well, the spelling, that would be one thing. Um... (laughs) I should have clarified. What are the difference in definitions oh, definition. between imply and infer? Yes. The difference between imply and infer, obviously, mm-hmm. is when you infer something, you are not saying it, uh, the actual words. When you imply something, you are actually saying it. So one is verbal, one is, one is more hidden than the other. Boy, that was really good, huh? That's yeah, pretty that's awesome. Really losing that large ape large brain of yours. Large ape brain here, yes. yes. Uh, okay, so just to clarify, so if you're... Imp- Implying something, you're if you're saying implying it? something, it's it's uh, yes, it's spoken. It's something is spoken. If you're okay. inferring something, it is not directly spoken. It's like two steps as opposed to one. Good so far. Good so far. Uh, All right. Yeah, that's well, we where I'll go with that. Okay, we How have Jason's like answer. Kirsten? We don't know yet if he is correct, Kirsten. If you don't think he's got it exactly right, you can steal those points. Do you think Jason got it exactly right? I feel like to infer is like where it's it's not to imply means like you're not saying it and then someone says wait aren't you saying that and to infer <laughs> means like well duh of course i'm saying that it's right there it's it's inferred which is the exact opposite of what i said so i'm just saying i agree with you except the opposite except the opposite all right oh, oh. yes, yes. <laughs> We are in for a hell of a game today. Uh, 
It is time to insinuate ourselves to the answer. Let's go to Helen Hong at the judges' table for the facts. Okay, here are the facts. To imply is to hint at something without directly saying it. You're providing the information. To infer is to make a guess without direct evidence. You're interpreting the information. Uh, So what does that mean as far as our points go? All right, I'm going to say Jason got imply right, because uh, Jason, you did say imply is saying it. But I don't, I'm not going to give you the point for infer because you said infer is not saying it, which isn't quite right. And Kirsten, yeah, you just, you just didn't get yep. either one. Okay, fair <laughs> enough. <laughs> nope. So let's get a score. I'm with you on that. Let's get a score summary after our first round. After the first round, Kirsten Vangsness has two points and Jason Kravitz has one point. Those scores are bound to change as we move on to questions about topics our guests have chosen for themselves. That's all up ahead when we come back on Go Fact Yourself. Dominated by Dude Bro Movie Podcasts. A world where Casey Affleck has an Oscar and Angela Bassett does not. Only one podcast is brave enough to call bullshit. Who shot ya? With Ricky Carmona. A lot of people don't know Porks, Puerto Rican. Alonzo Duralde. I would eat Oakjaw. <gasps> April Wolf. I want to interrupt and say yes. that the fish man was real sexy. Drea Clark. I have a real soft spot for King Kong. And women of color. I was like, damn! Right, Kugel got final cut! Kugel got final cut! I just felt like the film was so sour and so completely irrelevant to basically anything in life. Who shot ya? Listen every Friday on Maximum Fun or wherever you get your podcasts. Go Fact Yourself, where our score is Kirsten Bangsness with two points and Jason Kravitz with one point. Once again, here's J. Keith Van Stratton. Thank you, Helen Hong. Thank you, everybody. Now, Kirsten, of your many interests, you told us that you know a lot about Duran Duran, female sexual anatomy, and vegetarian food. Okay. Yes. Okay. I thought it was a do-it-yourself show, and you would. I <laughs> For would which be able topic? To all of them. Okay. Uh, today, we want to talk to you about. Duran Duran! <laughs> Sorry, Jason. I'm so scared and excited. Okay, great. Well, first of all, let's talk about Duran Duran. What does your Duran Duran fandom look like? When did it start? What do you oh love about the Oh, my God. So I was in fourth grade, and my mom, uh, we had a French student come and stay at our house, and her name was Ver- uh, Veronique. We had another one the next year named Laurette. Both of them equally brilliant, equally hot, and, uh, and we lived in Porterville in the Central Valley, and I feel for these girls now because they were like, I get to go to California, but really they're going to the place that now, you guys, um, is rep by Nunez, just saying. Um, <laughs> so, uh, so it's in the middle of the Central Valley. It's like you're trying to go to San Francisco, and then your car gets possessed, and you don't go there. <laughs> um, and I love Porterville, and I'm, I'm from there. I was raised there, and I love it, um, but there was nothing to do except 4-H and, and tennis sometimes at the community college across the freeway where we lived if it wasn't 103 and, uh, and washing dishes. That's all that there was to do. <laughs> and, uh, and we had this f- f- uh, French student and she gave me, when I was in fourth grade, a, a, a 45 of, of a Duran Duran song. <gasps> a and, 45? Yeah, and I didn't... Do you want to I explain wanna, to Helen what that is? What's a 45? <laughs> it's, I'm not. You just have to figure it out and use your imagination. Yeah. Um, and everybody on the podcast does too. But let me tell you, it's the sexiest thing you've ever Ooh. seen. Um, and uh, no, it's a small disc that music comes out of. That, that when you hit it against the light does not make a, a, a rainbow. Um, uh, anyway, so I want to point out the fact that I heard it and loved it and felt like I was listening to something that was going to help me escape from where I was, something lush and beautiful and amazing. And I didn't even know what they looked like until like a year and a half later. Because again, Porterville time is about six months delayed (laughs) from everything else in the world. So uh, uh, you didn't get the radio, you didn't get anything after. And my grandma lived in Pasadena. So I happened to be in Pasadena one day and then I heard, I saw them. And then I had a whole other experience of like, I got to viscerally understand what androgyny meant to me. <laughs> this is the is female a sexual very anatomy good portion. Feeling, <laughs> yeah. yes. Yeah. Um, uh, uh, I, I'm, I'm 
bisexual, but I'm not an expert in that, so that's why I didn't oh, say that. Um, and uh, so, yeah, so uh, so I've loved them for a really long time. And wow. I might not even, I, might, I look at expert as like what you love and what you could like just sit and talk about. And I would just sit and listen to somebody else talk. So I'm as excited to be wrong as I am to be right. Oh, well, that's a very good attitude. Uh, did you have any favorite songs? Or did you ever get to see them in concert? Oh, yeah, so many times. Oh, my God, no, one time. No, true story. I know a girl who, her name, her name is Mindy Abar, and she is a, a saxophonist. And she has actually played with them. And, uh, and, and, no, true story. Okay. I am friends. <laughs> I am friends. I am friends with Neil Gaiman, who I love very much. Like, Wait, what? Right? right? He is the most lovely human being by weird turn of events we are really close friends and i had to tell him the first time like we went out to dinner and we realized like oh my god we love each other and we're really good friends i he was i said he goes what what's the first book you had of mine and i said it's the autobiography of duran duran but not because you wrote it but because i bought it at the record store i have two copies of it it is so hard to get because it's rare because Neil Gaiman wrote it, but I don't have it because he wrote it because I didn't even know who he was when I bought it. Wait, I just want to backpedal. I, 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 just... I just want to back up to you casually mentioning that you're besties with Neil Gaiman. I know. Yeah. Can we just talk about that I for the next 20 minutes? He's like, he's, like my, he's like part of my little tribe of family members. I feel like, like I just lost like, this you know. game. I feel like I'm no, like... No, you didn't. It's over. No. Well, Kirsten, I'm sorry we couldn't find a topic for you that you get excited about. But, <laughs> I can't um... get so excited. <laughs> We, uh, just ahead, we're going to enlist the help of a bona fide expert in Duran Duran oh to test your mastery in the subject. I'm so excited. With our expert level questions, worth up to three points. But before that, to let you show your love, here are five trivia questions about Duran Duran, each oh. worth one point that apparently you don't care about getting correct. <laughs> uh, nevertheless, if you want it, you are allowed a hint for any two of these five questions. Okay. Now, Jason, do listen closely because if Kirsten answers incorrectly and you know the correct answer, you can steal and make Kirsten feel very, very disappointed. Yeah, it's okay. Uh, Jason, by the by the way, how much do you know about Duran Duran? Are we talking about international geography yet? Because we, I mean, that was kind of, I'm so psyched. Neil Gaiman and I talk about international geography all the time. Oh my God. Oh my God. So, uh, so often. Here is question number one. Kirsten, the band was named after a villain in what Jane Fonda film? Barbarella. Helen? That is correct. That is correct. Named after the character Dr. Duran Duran. Yes, yes, yes. And he actually shows up in Sing Blue Silver, their documentary. The actor who played him actually plays himself Duran Duran, Duran in the documentary. <laughs> it's true. You know, it's funny. They say beer is a sedative, and yet here we are. It is a sedative. All right, I feel like I'm, be much more I feel excited. Like I'm going to be, be more a Duran Duran fan this after is... I leave. After oh this my God. I'm going to be like, oh, you should Duran Duran. They're one go. of the greatest bands in the history of the universe. All right, but can you tell us, for question number two, in what English town was the band first formed? Oh, Birmingham. Helen? Correct. That is correct as well, Birmingham. I just want to, can I just, for international geography's sake, say Birmingham? You can I want to throw that in the mix. Yes, Neil, Neil just texted you and told you that. I All saw right. it. You saw it come up, yes. Jason, you may have run into a freight train here tonight, but uh, we, we right. will get a topic to you soon, I promise. Okay. Kirsten, number three. In the music video, To View to a Kill, how does the lead singer introduce himself? Oh, God. Oh, God. He's, he's looking through a... a uh, he's he's looking through a, like a, t- a telescopy thing. I think I think that Simon Lebon is doing. He's wearing a black beret and he's looking through a telescopy thing. I think. And how does he introduce himself to another person in the video? Again, you do the hint of Oh 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 oh! Lebon, Simon Lebon. Helen. That is correct. That is correct. <laughs> Fun fact. And then he blows up the Eiffel Tower. It's true. Yep. Because back then. Back then, that wasn't a disturbing possibility. That was, that was for View to a Kill, and the, 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 uh, Grace Jones is in that. That's right, that's right. Wow. By the way, that's the only James Bond theme to chart at number one in the U.S. Thank you. It's an amazing song. I tried to lip sync it in seventh grade for my drama class, but she wouldn't let us. I hate her. Uh, here we go, number four. You're on a roll. The band's most commercially successful album in the U.S. peaked at number four on the Billboard 200 chart. Which album is it? I think it was the wedding album. Helen? That is not correct. No, I'm okay, sorry. Then it was, then it was, then it I'm was. sorry. It's no, Jason's opportunity wanted... to steal. Oh, Jason. I'd like to say Botswana, <laughs> Jakey. <laughs> I know what it is. I know what it is. 
Helen, was it Botswana? It was not Botswana. Kirsten, would you like a second chance? It was Rio? It was not Rio. No, in fact, it was Arena. It was Arena. Oh, I didn't know that. Well, that's why we we try to find difficult things for you. This is number five. This is supposed to be the most difficult question. I have a pretty good feeling you might get this, though. (laughs) Number five. What fantasy writer wrote a biography (laughs) about Duran Duran? Spoiler alert. Titled Duran Duran, The First Four Years of the Fab Five, which he later called, quote, the worst thing Wait. he'd ever written. Okay, hold on, hold on, and hold I'll on, remind hold on. you, you do have a hint available. I've got it, I've got it, I've got it. Hold on. I hold think on. I know this Wait one. A minute. Wait I a think minute. I know science, this one. Science fiction? Is uh, that what you said, science fiction? I said, what fantasy writer? Okay, okay. Um, <laughs> Tolkien. <laughs> what? What? Come on. Um, C.S. Lewis? <laughs> We do need a, a, an actual answer. You could call him. And again, when you're trying to, Sorry, I don't, I, I don't need your no. pity. All right, Come it wasn't pity. It's just I oh, like I ties. Um, Neil Gaiman. Yes, it is Neil Gaiman. Amazing. You guys are serious. They gave me like dirty looks. I'm I'm a, and I want to yeah. point out. I want to point out that Kirsten, completely on her own, without even mentioning Duran Duran backstage, brought up that fact. So we knew that she was going to get at least one. Very well I'm done, so Kirsten. Proud of it. All right, Kirsten, you've done very well, but now here is your expert-level question oh that requires multiple answers. It's time for your cluster facts. Ooh. Oh, God, oh, God, oh, God, oh, God, oh, God. Now, this question is so high-level, we'll be bringing on an expert to assess your response. You may know this right away. You may need to think on it. The correct answer is worth up to three points. Audience, please shut up. <laughs> here we go. In 1985, members of the band focused on side projects. John and Andy Taylor formed one band, and Simon LeBon and Nick Rhodes formed another. For up to three points, what were the names of those two bands, and what was the biggest hit single to come from either of them? Okay, I believe it was Power, Power Station was John Taylor, Andy Taylor, and that was with Robert Palmer and um, Niall Rogers, I believe, who is amazing. He did, he did a bunch of things. He's, he's amazing in his own right. Then there was Arcadia, which was my favorite, not most people's. Um, that was uh, Nick Rhodes, Simon LeVon, a little bit of John Taylor, Sting, and Grace Jones do little side things in it, and... Uh, uh, there was that, that movie, Legend, with Tom Cruise. One of the songs from that is in that. And I think, I think, I think the song that was the big deal was uh, Get It On, Bang A Gong, which is a remix, which was a, rem- a cover of a T-Rex song. I think I could be wrong. Well, we have Kirsten's answers. <laughs> we have an expert on hand Wait, who somehow... Last, what was the last thing you said? Oh, bang A Gong? Get It On, Bang A Gong. Get It On, parentheses, Bang A Gong. All right. We have Kirsten's answers. Uh, we have an expert on hand who can tell us for sure. Someone who, believe it or not, knows more about Duran Duran than Kirsten. <laughs> Helen, who do we have tonight? Here with us tonight, we have the music editor at Yahoo and author of Careless Memories of Strange Behavior, My Notorious Life as a Duran Duran Fan. It's Lindsay Parker! Lindsay Parker! <laughs> oh my God. Ooh. Lindsay nice. is modeling both her uh, Nagel jacket and her Duran Duran concert She's t-shirt. She's just covered in like, Duran Duran. I have no, your I book, to... too. Oh, so very good. Of course you do. Thank you so much. You're welcome. Uh, now, Lindsay... I feel like we need to be friends. We need to go get a beer after this or something. Done. done and done. All right. All right. I think it's going to happen. So what do you do as music editor for Yahoo? I'm a music editor at Yahoo, which means I have actually interviewed Duran Duran a few times. <gasps> For, yeah, I know. That's how I reacted when I found out I got to do it. <laughs> uh, I've, I've actually remained relatively calm. I hope they haven't actually read the book that I did, because the book was actually, it was part of Rhino series of music journalists talking about sort of the bands that set them on that path and how they were super dorks for those bands. So it's basically me talking about how I used to send John Taylor, like, Polaroid photos of myself when I was 12. <laughs> like, he was really going to be like, yeah, this is great. And they didn't recognize you when uh, you interviewed <laughs> them later? That's probably for the best. Or I remember a time I read in, like, Tiger Beat that my that uh, John Taylor's favorite breakfast was green marmalade on toast, so I sent him, like, care packages what? of green marmalade. Yeah, fun that fact. That is the sweetest stalker move I've it ever was. heard of. So, and that was my first concert, and the whole book is sort of just about that coming-of-age story. So hopefully they didn't read that, because it, it's... Yeah, it's a little stocky. Now, have you had a chance to actually be, be a critic of them in your, in your role, or is it just as, a, as an interviewer? Like, can, can you objectively say whether something is good or bad if you love them so much? Well, obviously, I'm a, a bit of a Duran Duran apologist, and even some of the records that a lot of fans didn't like. Like, I would be curious to know what you thought of uh, Red Carpet Massacre, because I actually like that. I will say, though, that the uh, album Thank You, I can't really get behind. Yeah, Kirsten, rebuttal? Even... 
cannot get there's behind. a couple of songs that i think were good interesting choices <laughs> very <laughs> well, diplomatic the, it was their covers album and they actually had like their taste in music was good like they picked really cool songs but they just didn't it didn't work yeah. and i was so rooting for them because actually this is kind of crazy their comeback record so the record that came out when people were sort of like duran duran are over and then they came back and it was the wedding album in 1993 and they had two top five hits that came out last weekend, February 11th, was the 25th anniversary of that album. Wow. But everyone was kind of rooting for them, and hope, I was hoping it wouldn't be a fluke. And then they put out, thank you, and I was like, no, what are you doing, Duran Duran? No. <laughs> Have you um, seen them recently? Are they still sexy? They're, yes. <laughs> <laughs> what she said, yes. They, they're aging very, very well. Ooh. Actually, Simon Le Bon, it was just announced, is going to be a grandfather. Wow. Yes. He's a gilf. <laughs> He's a gil. Tajikistan, uh, Jay Keith. I just Thank, you. Thank you, Jason. Tajikistan. Thank you, Jason. Uh, <laughs> All right. Now let's get to the reason that uh, we brought you here tonight as far as I game goes. Uh, let's remind everyone the question that we asked Kirsten. We asked her to name the two side projects that were formed by band members in 1985 and the biggest hit to come out of either of them. Helen, let's remind everyone of one of the bands that Kirsten said was formed then. Kirsten said the Power Station. That is correct. That yeah. is correct. But it wasn't Nile Rodgers. It was Tony Thompson from Chic. Oh, my God. And Bernard right. Edwards from Chic also produced. Nile Rodgers has, well, done, a Nile Rodgers has done a lot of stuff with them, though. He has done a lot of stuff with them. He has. That's true. In her defense, That's he's done a lot. So we should I'm not sorry. shave any points no. off of you that. You've got to give her points for that. She was Come just on. adding some fun <laughs> facts. So, no, no yeah. points shaved at all. All right. Power and Station Helen, is correct. Helen, what did Kirsten say was the other side project formed by members of the band? Kirsten said Arcadia. Lindsay? That is correct. And I would love to have an offline conversation with you about Power Station versus Arcadia, because people do tend to take sides. I'm, I like them both, but I'm kind of team Arcadia. Me too. Oh, yeah. oh my God, they're going to be besties. <laughs> All right. And finally, Helen, we asked Kirsten the biggest hit single to come from either band. What did she say? Kirsten said, get it on, bang a gong. The T-Rex cover. That is wrong. It did do well. Oh. It charted at number nine, but Some Like It Hot actually Some charted. Like it hot. Yeah, Some it like charted. It and you know, what's interesting is actually Election Day charted at number six, and so did Some Like It Hot, but Some Like It Hot was on the chart longer, so that technically is the most successful. <sighs> All right, but still a very good job by uh, Kirsten on that round. Now, Kirsten... Anything you would like to ask of our expert, Lindsay Parker, while she's here? No, I'm overwhelmed. Okay, fair enough. I am legitimately, I'm, I'm gobsmacked by, like, how much time we've spent on clearly yeah. one of my favorite subjects. Was it, I would like to say, was that the best use of my time? But it set me on my path to being a music journalist, so I will say yes. Thank Very you, good. Durand and if people Durand. want to see your work, Lindsay, where can they find you? They can go to yahoo.com slash music. Lindsay Parker, ladies and gentlemen. Yes. All right, let's get a score recap from Helen Hong. After that round, Kirsten Vangsness has eight points, and Jason Kravitz has one point with a round of questions coming up. That's right. We're going to talk with Jason about a topic he knows about. Plus, later, Kirsten and Jason will go head-to-head in our Fast Facts round to find a winner on Go Fact Yourself. Judge John Hodgman ruled in my favor. Judge John Hodgman ruled in my friend's favor. Judge John Hodgman ruled in my favor. I'm Judge John Hodgman. You're hearing the voices of real litigants, real people who have submitted disputes to my internet court at the Judge John Hodgman podcast. I hear their cases. I ask them questions. They're good ones. And then I tell them who's right and who's wrong. Thanks to Judge John Hodgman's ruling... My dad has been forced to retire one of the worst dad jokes of all time. Instead of cutting his own hair with a Flobie, my husband has his hair cut professionally. I have to join a community theater group. And my wife has stopped bringing home wild animals. It's the Judge John Hodgman podcast. Find it every Wednesday at MaximumFun.org or wherever you download podcasts. Thanks, Judge John Hodgman. yourself where our score is Kirsten Vangsness with eight points and Jason Kravitz with one point. Once again, here's Jake Keith Van Stratton. Thank you, Helen. Thanks, everybody. 
Jason Kravitz, of your many, many interests, you told us that you know a lot about intercontinental geography, <laughs> crossword puzzles, and young Frankenstein. Today we're going to ask you about young Frankenstein. <laughs> but if you would like to mention another city, please feel free. I'd like to say Sao Paulo, Brazil. Very well done. Uh, let's talk about Young Frankenstein. What do you love about it? When did you first encounter oh, it? Gosh, Why are you I, an expert? I, I think uh, I've always been a fan of parodies, you know, and, and I think growing up, I always, I grew up with uh, Weird Al Yankovic and stuff like that. Even before that, it was, it was uh, Mice on the Folk Singer and all these, you know, vaudeville acts and things like that. So parody was always in my bones. And, and uh, I think when Airplane came out, that was kind of like the moment for me. I was like, this is the best stuff ever. I want more stuff like this. I'd already been aware of Mel Brooks' movies, obviously. Those movies, uh, that movie, Young Frankenstein, predated Airplane, but I just wasn't aware of it yet. And then one day I caught that movie, and everything about it, every moment of that movie just screamed, this is the perfect movie. And now when people ask me for my top movies, that's number one. It's number one, followed by Airplane and probably another one like Spinal Tap or one of those that's another great parody. Consistent, very good. When When did you last see the movie? Probably... About six months ago, as I probably last saw the whole movie. Wow. Yeah, I watch it regularly. I, and, I had to show my kid, you know? Yeah. Um, and did, did your kid is 16, is He's that right? He's 16. And, and did he appreciate the, the humor as well? No, not really. No. <laughs> well, this time. What this can time. you expect? Was he like, Dad? What is this, Dad? What is yeah. this? I don't get it. What do you mean, walk this way? Why walk isn't this it... way. <laughs> What's that mean? Well, I was going to ask also, is there a favorite scene or joke that you have from the film? There's so many. Set a give. Sedative? Sedative? No, I mean, there's so many, and there's so many iconic... I mean, I would venture a guess that most people in this room were born after that movie was released. But it was... Uh, there are so many iconic moments, iconic lines from that movie. Yeah, you don't even necessarily realize it's from the movie yeah. until you see it again. Yeah, exactly. And now, you were on Broadway when the musical version of it came I out, was, I recall. Uh, mm-hmm. did, did you get a chance to see that? Of course, yeah. Of course what did you think about the musical interpretation? I thought it? it was pretty good, actually. I thought they did a pretty good job using a lot of the... Uh, a lot of the same tropes, but they added songs where you never would have imagined, and they made complete sense once you heard them. When Igor and Dr. Frankenstein first meet, yep. uh, and they sang together again for the first time, that was, it was kind of genius. Could you imagine yourself in one of those roles? I actually auditioned to play Igor at one point after the uh, musical had opened. Oh, wow, okay. Yeah. So you could imagine, but they... I could imagine they didn't imagine it as okay, much as I did. Aww. All right, now just ahead, we're going to enlist yes. the help of a bona fide expert in Young Frankenstein to test your mastery in the subject with an expert-level question, but before that, to give you a chance to show off, here are five trivia questions about the topic, each worth one point. As a reminder, you are allowed up to two hints for these five questions. Oh, boy. Now, Kirsten, you can steal if Jason gets any of them wrong and you know them. By the way, how much do you know about Young Frankenstein? I like it very much. I actually made a movie called Kill Me Deadly that I always describe as a cross between the Maltese Falcon and Young Frankenstein had a baby. I have to send it to you, Jason. You do? All right, Jason. You're You're not going to like uh... it as much as that movie. No, but you like it much. You like Young Frankenstein more than I knew about Duran Duran. So this (laughs) is going to be fascinating. You're going to have to run a tight ship, Jason. All right, here we go. Here's your first question about Young Frankenstein. To what Irving Berlin song does Frankenstein's monster perform? That would be... Putting on the Ritz. Ellen? That is correct. That Putting is correct. on the Ritz! Fun fact, that song was covered by Taco in 1982, and you can hear more about that in our episode one uh-huh. of Go Fact Yourself. <laughs> where we Remember discussed that, guys? That Remember that? Let's go back and listen. Uh, here we go. You're one for one. Here is question number two. Not known for comedies, what Academy Award-winning actor played the blind priest who struggles to serve hot soup? Oh, that would be Gene Hackman. Ellen? That is correct. That is correct. Yes. I was just about to make espresso. (laughs) That's right. He had one for French Connection, later one for Unforgiven. Here is question number three. Victor Frankenstein, Dr. Frankenstein's grandfather, is revealed to be whose boyfriend? Oh, that would be Frau Blucher. Thank you very much. Yes. (laughs) Helen, is that correct? That is correct. And And Helen, once again, what was that name? Frau Blucher. That's right. (laughs) We bought a With sound, sound cue. Effects. Feel free to mention her throughout the show, and we'll keep, uh, we'll keep our sound engineer, David, on uh, tap. Uh, here we go. Number four. When the monster and Elizabeth, played by Madeline Kahn, are in the bedroom, Elizabeth says there are two hampers in the bathroom. One is just for shirts. What two items is the other one for? I believe the answer to that is socks and poopy underwears. 
Helen? That is correct. Oh. Now, Helen, it actually is poo-poo underwear. Poo-poo but are we going to give it to him? I'm going to give it to him. We're going to give it to you. We're going to give you the poopy and the poo-poo. It's, it's technically poo-poo underwear, but you know. Yes, poopy, we don't want to get poo-poo. tweets about poo-poo oh, underwear, so we want to make sure that's correct. Uh, Jason, you're four for four. Let's see if you can uh, do a clean sweep. Oh, let's see. And again, you do still have a hint available. Oh, boy. Here is question number five. Neil Gaiman. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> Number five, the brain Igor is sent to steal is labeled with the name of a, quote, scientist and saint, a name that belongs to a real historian and professor. What was that name? He's sent for the name, but he writes it with an initial on his hand. It's Hans Delbruck, and he puts H. Delbruck on his hand. Helen? That is correct. That is correct. Thank you. That's epic. Jason, you are five for five. You have a chance to become only the second contestant we've had to get a clean sweep if you can get this next question right. Because here's your expert-level question that requires multiple answers. It's time for your cluster fact. Ding, ding. That is the correct (laughs) response. All right, we're bringing on an expert to assess your response. It's worth up to three points. Here we go. The first speaking part of Young Frankenstein is, of course, Gene Wilder as Dr. Frankenstein. The second person to speak is a medical student who asks a question of the doctor. The actor who played that medical student went on to have a successful career in Hollywood as both a casting director and a voice actor, providing the voice of one of the Smurfs for several years. For up to three points, who was that actor? What was his character name in the credits of Young Frankenstein? And which Smurf did he voice? Wow, my brain hurts. Jason? It was Danny Goldman was the actor. Mm -hmm. I believe he was listed as medical student. Mm -hmm. And I believe he was... Was was there a character? Was it Brainy Smurf? Yeah, I'm going to go with Brainy Smurf. I don't know. All right, we've got Danny Goldman, medical student, and Brainy Smurf. Helen, keep track of those answers because we have an expert on hand who can tell us for sure. Helen, who do we have tonight? Here with us tonight is a man who's had a career as a voice actor and casting director (laughs) and who appeared as the medical student in Young Frankenstein. It's Danny Goldman! Danny Goldman, ladies and gentlemen! (laughs) Wow! You're finally beating me. I'm finally beating you. All right, Danny, let's have a seat and let's get my nut to that microphone. Welcome, Mr. Goldman. Welcome, Danny Goldman. He just said, I'm finally meeting you. I'm like, you could have (laughs) called. Now, you actually know Kirsten from your casting director days. Tell us about that. She used to come in and audition for us before she got famous. Wow. I would be happy to come in and audition for anybody now that I am famous. We (laughs) We were doing commercial work. And in fact, you've, you cast me in a couple things yes, as well. absolutely. So that's how you get on the show, everybody. Cast right. me in something. <laughs> and you get you, to be our expert. You've never cast me, and I'm a little mad about it. You've I'm been, a little mad about it. You've been retired it. for a while, isn't now, that right? The funny thing is, I myself have only seen Young, young Frankenstein three times. Last night was the third time. The what? First, <laughs> what? The first one, it came out. And the second, there was a 30-year Mel Brooks thing that they did at the Egyptian, and I went to see it. I could never, ever watch myself. How come? It's just one of those things. Some actors have this madness. I have it. It's not a good thing to have. (laughs) So I either have to get drunk to see myself. Wow. Really, and I don't drink. Uh, or <laughs> that makes it difficult. I, yeah. just, I, I would say that ninety percent of the stuff I've ever done, I've never seen. Wow. wow. Well, what was it like to be in Young Frankenstein well, and work with Gene Wilder and Mel Brooks and all those people? Uh, the couple of things I do remember. I remember auditioning at Fox, and Terry Garr was there. Either I had known her before, or I'd met her just once before, and I was wouldn't be in love with Terry Garr. And uh, and then I walked in the room, and there's both Mel. And Gene Wilder. And I thought, oh, my God, this is really scary. And I did my part, and about two weeks later, I got a phone call saying that I was cast. Wow. And what was it like actually filming it? I understand that in real life it was in color. <laughs> no, that's incorrect, uh, J.K. No? I no. thought it was in black and No, white. as a matter of fact, they wanted to... Uh, uh, 20th Century Fox wanted to shoot it in color just because they wanted it... Uh, Mel Brooks and Gene Wilder wanted it in black and white, 
They wanted uh, to shoot it in color because Peru had just gotten color projectors. Mm. And Mel Brooks said, nah, because if you shoot it in color, you're going to make some excuse and you're going to risk a lawsuit and you're going to play it in color. And I'm not going to have that. We have to shoot it on black and white film, which is what they did. Wow. How about that? Point Kravitz. Yeah. No, yeah, definitely. Oh, no definitely. point. Oh, well. and, and you mentioned Peru, which is, uh, I believe, a place. Uh, Peru. <laughs> Thank you very much. And uh, did it lead to other work for you? I know you, you worked in a lot of things, but did that role I was on a series about a year later or two years later. I got a series, I think, possibly from that or that people knew me from that. Yeah. And then when did you segue into doing uh, voice work? Uh, that was, I just auditioned a lot and could never get a radio spot. And then uh, they kept calling me to audition for the Smurfs, which I did, and how you identified Wait, wait, let's not reveal that just yet. We don't know yet if Jason's correct. We don't know nothing. I know nothing. Oh, okay. Uh, actually, well, let's get to the reason that we brought you here tonight as far as our right. game is concerned. You heard the question that we asked Jason. We wanted to know who played the medical student, how the medical student was credited, and which Smurf that actor voiced. Uh, Helen, let's remind everyone, who did Jason say played the medical student? <laughs> Jason said Danny Goldman. Danny Goldman, is that correct? Yes. It was correct. Thank God I got that one right. <laughs> and Helen, how did Jason say the role was credited in the film? Jason said medical student. Danny? Yeah, perfect. that's correct as well. <laughs> and finally, we asked him which Smurf did you voice on the Smurfs? Helen, what did Jason say? Jason said Brainy Smurf. Danny, who did you voice on the Smurfs? Brainy, nine. Brainy years. Smurfs, he got it right. <laughs> wow! A clean sweep. A perfect clean score sweep. from Jason. Uh, can you can you give us a little Brainy? I can't. All right, thank you very much. Not for free. No, where, I where need did the a voice... voice lift. My voice is sunk. Oh, okay. It was a high voice that you did. But you did that for, for how long? Nine years. Nine wow. years, ladies and gentlemen, Brady Smurf. What a gig. That's amazing. Thanks again for joining us, Danny Goldman. All right, Helen, let's get a score recap as we go into our final round. Jason had an amazing round, getting eight points in that round, giving him nine points total. Kirsten Vangsness has eight points. That's right. This is still anybody's game with our final Fast Facts round coming up. We'll crown our winner when we come back on Go Fact Yourself. I like to Hulu and chill. Am I a monster? What's happening on Game of Thrones? What's a technical Emmy? Why did Dominic Toretto go rogue? Is this meme already dead? Nicki Minaj or Remy Ma? For answers to these questions and so much more, come on over to Pop Rocket, a pop culture roundtable discussion that always has a fun, diverse panel talking about the stuff we love. Catch us every Wednesday on MaximumFun.org or wherever you decide to get your podcast. I'm not going to judge. <laughs> Go fact yourself where our score is Kirsten Vangsness with eight points and Jason Kravitz with nine points. Once again, here's J. Keith Van Stratton. Thank you, Ellen. Thanks, everybody. It is going to come down to this. Our final round we call Fast Facts. I'll read ten statements and each contestant will answer with either true or false. I'll start with Kirsten and alternate between each guest. We'll keep the discussion to a minimum. Each correct answer is worth one point. This will decide the game. Ooh. Right? Edge, cool. edge of our seats. All right, here we go. Kirsten, New York City is the most populous city in the United States. True. Correct. Jason, the main ingredient in bok choy is corn. False. Correct. That's right, it's cabbage. Kirsten, right said Fred has a writing credit on Taylor Swift's song, Look What You Made Me Do. True. Correct. Jason, according to Forbes, three of the five highest paid athletes of all time are golfers. True. Correct. That's right. Tiger Woods, Arnold Palmer, and Jack Nicholas. Kirsten, Christina Applegate is from Norway. False. Correct. That's right. She's from Hollywood. Jason, <laughs> Stellan Skarsgård is from Norway. True. Incorrect. No, he's from Sweden. Kirsten, the NFL's Tennessee Titans play in Memphis. True. Incorrect. No, they play in Nashville. <laughs> Jason, there's a type of shark called a pajama shark. True. Correct. And I saw them when I was in Africa. But we don't have to talk about that now. That's fine. <laughs> Kirsten, Bragger. there is a type of shark called a nervous shark. False. Incorrect. No, oh. that is true. Jason, there is a type of shark called a Phillips head shark. False. Correct. There is a hammerhead shark and a Phillips head screwdriver, but not a Phillips head shark. 
All right, let's give a nice hand to both of our contestants while Helen Hong adds up the score. What a round, what a game, Jason Kravitz and Kirsten Vangsness. Helen, are you ready to crown a winner on today's episode of Go Fact Yourself? All right, at the end of the game, Kirsten Vangsness has 11 points and Jason Kravitz has 13 points. A come from behind victory for Jason Kravitz. Jason, you are the facting champion on Go Fact Yourself. What will you do with your championship? Set a give. That's all I have to That's say. That's what he'll do. Fair yeah. enough. All right. Uh, we want to give everyone an opportunity to promote any upcoming products, appearances, or services. Jason, what do you have going on? If I haven't already said it. Uh, coming in New York City on March 17th, I'm doing my show. It's called Off the Top. It's at the Duplex. You can find it at offthetop.nyc. You can also go there if you go back in time to the February 25th show in L.A. And so on and so on. Jason Kravitz, ladies and gentlemen. My friend, Kirsten Vangsness. Um, Let's see. Uh, I'm on a television show that gets plenty of promoting. Uh, And uh, I also do a lot of theater at Theater of Note. You can find them at theaterofnote.com. Uh, and uh, the, the Blinking Owl Distiller. You can sometimes find me there washing dishes and bussing tables. And, um, and oh, and there's a movie called Kill Me Deadly on iTunes that I executive produced and starred in. And I hear it's not a as mix good. of Young Frankenstein. It's and, not yeah. as good as Young Frankenstein. <laughs> Fair enough. The very modest and very busy Kirsten Vangsness. Your co-host is Miss Helen Hong. Yay! How lucky are you? <laughs> I will be performing at the Improv River Center in San Antonio, Texas, March 22nd to 25th. You can also find my performance calendar at HelenHong.com. Helen Hong, ladies and gentlemen. And me, I'm on Twitter at J underscore Keith, on Instagram at jkeith.net, all spelled out. And if you want to read about my trip to Africa, no big deal, whatever, uh, I'll be posting on thepointsguy.com, and I've also got pieces in the Los Angeles Times. That just leaves me to thank Kirsten Vangsness, Jason Kravitz, Lindsay Parker, Danny Goldman, Helen Hong. Please like us on Facebook, follow us on Twitter and Instagram, all at GoFactYourPod. And rate and review us on Apple Podcasts. I'm J. Keith Van Stratton. Good night! Like what you hear? Come see us live. It's free. Go to GoFactorPod.com for our schedule and tickets. And give us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts like Dog 8 did. He, she, or they said, we're a well-produced show with interesting guests and hosts. Thanks, Dog 8 Go Fact Yourself is a panel quiz program devised by Jim Newman and J. Keith Van Stratton and comes to you via transcription from Angel City Brewery in downtown Los Angeles. Questions on Go Fact Yourself were compiled by the Trivia Industrial Complex. It is produced in collaboration with Maximum Fun. Go Fact Yourself's theme song and incidental music were written and performed by Jonathan Green. Maximum Fun's senior producer is Laura Swisher. The show is edited by Christian Duenas. David McKeever is our live sound engineer. Special thanks to Katie Krasner, Amy Kramer, Marsha Newmeyer, Mike Avianos, Spencer Marks, Stella Chow, Daniela Zeltzer, and MC Velada. I've been Helen Hong. Maximumfun.org. Comedy and culture. Artist owned. Listener supported.